the body. Love one another, amen. Is that all right? Well, how many of you want to turn in your Bibles real quick and let's get started today? 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 is where I'll be reading from. I want to thank every staffer and all the work that's went into this camp to get us here. And thank you, students, for being here. We've got a tremendous team that make things happen. The 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Today, for a few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you this thought, the treasure of my heart. I wonder if we could just put our Bibles down, our phones down, and close our eyes, and let's just lift our hands to God and ask Him to come in this place. God, we thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You for what we already feel in this place. We thank you for the confirmation in the Holy Ghost that you are going to do mighty works in the lives of every student in this place. God, I pray that every distraction and every stronghold would be destroyed right now. God, we come against every spirit of opposition right now. Loose your spirit in this place, oh God, and open our hearts to hear and receive your word and to apply it to our hearts, oh God. Let us leave from this camp never the same, oh God. Let us leave changed and different from the way that we arrived, oh God, and we're not going to fail to give you the praise or the honor or the glory for it all right now in the name of Jesus let's thank you for what he's going to do this week amen you may be seated amen how many of you loving this heat in Alabama right now very few. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. How many of you love space and all space travel and all those types of things? I've always been fascinated by NASA and those things. But Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin made history when they became the first people to step foot on the moon in 1969. And during their time, they collected various samples in bags and which NASA accidentally auctioned off to a suburban Chicago woman named Nancy Carlson for a mere $995 in 2016. Carlson successfully sold the bag of moon dust for $1.8 million at the Scothby's auction in New York City in 2017. I think she got a good return on her investment, right? How in the world could a NASA employee tape a UPS shipping label and mail the dust that Buzz Aldrin collected with his own hands while standing on the surface of the moon? Simply, they did not comprehend the value of that which they possessed. Whomever posted, approved, sold, packed, and shipped thought that a priceless piece of history 
was nothing more than just a bag of dirt. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. First Samuel 17, we come across a very famous story, a story of a young man who was just told that he was going to be anointed to be king. And Goliath stands on a mountain holding back his laughter at this small, ruddy lad. And Goliath could be the next contender on the World Wrestling Federation. He's got a barbed wire tattoo, and he's towering over everybody else. He is one scary guy. How many of you watch wrestling? Good, no hands went up. <laughs> I didn't want to have to go another route this morning. But Goliath is a major contender, and he is defying the very armies of Israel. And Saul attempted to place a helmet of bronze and a coat of mail on David. I want you to understand something, that people will try to fix your life by trying to match the enemy and fight on his terms. But we can never fight on the enemy's terms because we've got somebody on our side that can ultimately destroy and defeat anything that we face in this life. I don't have to take the tactics or the remedies of this world. Ask the woman that had the issue of blood that suffered for the physicians for 12 long years and never found a cure, but it took one touch of the master's hand and she was completely healed and changed and was never the same. I'm telling you, we have a treasure in this earthen vessel that's far more valuable than anything that we could ever hold in this life. And we must come to the realization that the greatest thing that we can ever hold on to in these last days is Jesus Christ. There are situations in your life today that can only and will only be fixed by trusting in God. They're only going to be remedied by trusting in God. Goliath told David that he would feed his flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And you know, I love how David responded. He said, well, guess what? I'm going to give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. He said, I'm not only going to take care of you, but I'm going to take care of every one of you, the entire army that's standing behind you. You don't threaten me. You don't bother me because you've got to come to the realization, enemy of my soul, that my God is bigger than you and all of your army and all the hell that you can bring against me and my family. I've got the Lord that's on my side. He is my banner. He is my strength. He is my joy. And as long as I am walking with Christ Jesus, then no matter what comes against me. I am more than a conqueror because I have got God on my side. I have a treasure in this earth. 
Why? Why did he say that? So that the earth would know who God is. Also, everyone here is going to know that the battle is at Lord's because he's going to give me a new assignment. You see, David mentioned the armies of Israel. And that really stood out to me. I said, what are armies? God reminded me, just like Elisha told the armies of Israel, there are more with us than there are with them. For God had opened their eyes to see an army full of chariots of fire. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, when you walk into your house and you walk into tormenting situations in your life, that there are more with you than any amount of enemies that you're facing today. There is an army of chariots of fire those that fear the Lord. God is surrounding you. God is equipping you. There's a host of angels that surround you and go with you and walk with you and protect you and they lead you and they guide you and direct you. I'm telling you right now that God has equipped you to be able to handle anything that you face in this life or any attack of the enemy for the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church you are triumphant. You are victorious. And you need to plant that in your mind that any time the enemy comes against you and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Any time the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. I am a child of the chosen. I am a chosen child of the king. I have a treasure. And you're valuable to God. Let me just calm down. I get real emotional sometimes. I get real worked up. You're valuable. I want you right now, please, if you will, I want you to point at yourself and say, I'm valuable. Because sometimes your greatest tormentor is the person you look at every morning. And you wake up and you have doubts and you have insecurities. But I'm going to get ahead of myself and I don't, but I feel to say this right now. God formed you and he wove you and he made you. You are significant. You do have great value. He set you aside specifically for this day and for this moment in this time and in this season. God sees you. He saw your mistakes. He saw your failures. He saw your valleys. He saw your mountaintops and he said I still choose you. I look to Calvary and in spite of it all I'll choose you every time. We have a treasure. Trying to keep up with the time y'all. David Mentioned God nine times with only two references to Goliath here in this text. He may have said Philistine, but he only referenced Goliath twice. It's because David knew who to look to. That's real simple. 
But how easy is it in life whenever the weights of things that you begin to wear and the things of just life, just living, trying to keep up with grades and trying to, well, I don't know, I don't know what each and every one of you face, but you all know the weights that just all of a sudden just cloud you. And it's so easy, Brother Anthony, to just look at all those things. But in spite of this big, burly guy that should be on World Wrestling Federation with barbed wire tattoos is looking at you. All David can see is that God is going to, he does not even see or acknowledge the enemy that's before him. All he knows is that I walked into this valley with God on my side and I'm walking out of this valley triumphant. Don't despise the valley because it's in the valley that you're going to face and conquer your enemy. And God is going to march you out on the other side of the mountain victorious over that which has tormented you. this right now. Some of you have walked in here with suicide and depression and you're dealing with doubts and fears and insecurities and God says it's going to die. Your giant is going to die at this camp. You're not going to walk out tormented by those things that have bombarded your mind. You do not have to walk out bound. You do not have to walk out with that same giant lurking over you and staring you down day in and day out. But I'm telling you, you are more than a conqueror. He didn't just knock that giant down, but he knocked him down. He took his own sword out and he cut his head off and said, no more will you hinder me. No more will you defy the armies of Israel. You know, you know the growl of your giant very well. You're very familiar and you're very intimate with the growl of the giant that stands before you, that torments you when you lay your head down. And some of you are dealing with things that at your age you never should have dealt with. God help the abuse and things that you have faced that are sitting underneath the sound of my voice right now. And it breaks my heart every time I bow my knees in prayer for the whole entire state of Alabama. It breaks my heart to think about the conditions in which some of you are living. But I've come here today to tell you that no matter what you're living in, no matter what you're facing, I promise you in due time, God can set you free of those things. Why? Because you are a treasure. You are valuable and God cares for you. And there's a treasure living on the inside of you. You have a treasure. David was victorious.
because David had a God focus, not a Jehu focus. The treasure of David's heart is God. David kills Goliath. We fast forward. And just a few chapters over, David is now running for his life from Saul. Man anointed king. Chosen of by God. And here he is now running for his life, Brother Nate. He is running scared to death. Where is this giant slayer? What is happening in the life of David in this moment? You see, he meets Ahimelech and he gets a sword. And it's not just any sword. It's the sword of Goliath. You see, just at the end of the battle, David cuts the head off of that giant. And he takes it to Saul. But you know what? Something I've missed so many times. Before he took that head, he went and took Goliath's armor. And he put it in the tent before he ever took the head of Goliath to Saul. And God spoke to me and he said, David realized that there's going to be dark days ahead of me like I have faced before. And God has given me a testimony. And there's going to be moments whenever it's dark and it feels despairing of hope and life. But young people, let me tell you, in this service, in this week right here, God is going to give you a testimony. And you need to take it out of this place. And it needs to be a lifelong tribute to what God done in your life this week at youth camp and when you're facing your dark valleys you go back to the armor of Goliath on that enemy and that giant that God destroyed for you and you say I know he did it before and he's going to do it again you've got to hold on to your testimonies of what God does in your life for those dark seasons. Why? No, no, no. Doesn't God surely love us? He surely loves us. So here he is. He's he's on the run. So I'm like, I, I'm not really understanding, dude. Why? I mean, he faced a giant. He was willing to defy an entire fleet, an army, men ready for battle. What was it that brought David to this point? I begin to look at his life. I look back to his mom and his dad. And everything I can find say that his dad separated from his mom. And he said, I will not lay with her to produce more children. There was a time of separation in his life because he was disturbed about the fact of his lineage, that there was a roof in his lineage and that no Moabite could be, there could be no intertwining of a Moabite and an Israelite. Is it okay if I slow down for a minute and just teach this for just a second? So here, 
They are. They're separated. And he said, I will not produce any more children because I can't corrupt. Because this is the thing. Many historians believe that the very night of conception, that the very next day, Boaz died. That the night that David's father and his lineage was started through Ruth, that the very next day that he died, and they said there must have been a curse because he married a Moabite. And so, he already had four sons, or he already had sons, and he already had a family established, and Every historian states and everything that I can read says that the father came and said, Sons, don't have anything to do with David because they believed that she had committed adultery when all the while she had tricked him to lay with her so she could have another son. This isn't very pretty. So David's coming up in basically a broken home, and he's believed to be an illegitimate child. And so we find when Samuel comes to anoint and find a king that he says, do you not have any more sons? Because I've done looked over everybody. Well, well, there is David, but he's in a field. You see, David was used to loneliness and that, wild, that loneliness drove him to a wilderness to find God on the backside of a mountain somewhere tending to sheep. And he said, I may not have a connection with my family, but I can find a connection with God. That when a lion comes, or a bear comes, or a giant comes, I can't find victory in him. Why? Because there's a treasure. There is a treasure. I don't know how many of you come from broken homes. I don't know how many of you have been left by family, forsaken by family. I don't know what you've walked in here. I don't know the cry of your giant that faces you day in and day out. But I promise you, when your attention and your focus is on God, it doesn't matter the lion, the bear, or the giant. You can be more than conquerors. But it's in that moment that he relives these things again. I need it. My king is coming to kill me. And here it is, plays all over again. But I've been anointed. God's called me. But God never said, even though I call you, that you're not going to face the fiery trial. 
think it not strange when you face the fiery trial. And that's not very popular. And we don't want to hear that a price has to be paid anymore. Brother Anthony, nobody wants to hear that anymore. But I promise you, if you'll go into the wilderness, you're going to come out victorious on the other side. And God is going to, in the wilderness, strip things out of you and remove things out of you that he needs to get out of your life to prepare you for the destiny that he designed you for. So here, David is in the den. He's driven to a cave that's found in the Dead Sea where everything's dead. Everything goes there to die. But instead of dying, I wonder, I just played this out in my mind. I wonder if he got to that cave, just a crumbled man. And I wonder if some fabric just happened to move and he saw that sword one more time. Luckily, he had that sword. And in that cave... And in that wilderness, he one more time realized, I've got to connect again. I've got to stop looking at my giants. I've got to stop looking at all of my circumstances. And I've got to once again put God back in his proper perspective and his seat of authority in my heart and trust him again. want to find the solution to your giant, we must put Jesus back in his rightful place. David was a man after God's heart because David and his heart were completely chasing after God. That's why he was a man after God's heart. David's life is something that we can look at as hopeful because we look at a man that when the chips were up, he had a, everything going right, but he had plenty of moments in his life where he was an absolute failure. And we can take heart in David's story because even though I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, uh, you shall. You shall be a light unto me. Don't count me out yet, devil. I may have fallen, but this isn't the end of my story. I put the pen back in the author's hand, and he's going to finish this thing. Put God back in his rightful place, and I promise you'll see victory. seated. I'm trying to hurry. We're not too far in. I've learned y'all just gonna have to bear with me. I went the whole time I was putting this together, so I'm gonna try not to right now, but I can't promise anything. I've learned in the complexity of life the treasure of Jesus isn't always apparent. 
If we look at our lives through the lens of the flesh, we miss the treasure because of the things of this life. At times we treasure all sorts of things that may not actually be worthy at all. And we tend to live in the world to perceive value more often than not. And our physical appearance and things and cars and homes and money and clothes, things that don't increase the actual value of your life, that they only increase someone's perception. And we put emotional energy, so much mental effort into acquiring and preserving things that only serve of the most shallow, carnal parts of our souls. And we make seasons of life our treasures. And we make our dreams and plans our treasures, which are only figments of our imaginations. They haven't happened yet. Tomorrow doesn't actually exist yet at all because all you have is today, which is why James says, say, if the Lord wills, you have no clue what tomorrow holds. Sometimes we treasure things that are beautiful, wonderful, and precious, but they are far too fragile to serve as the foundation of your life. I love my family. They're here with me, my beautiful wife and my little girls. I treasure them, but they cannot be the treasure of my heart. If the whole of my identity is father or husband, what will happen to me if they're gone? I'll never forget the time Adeline laid in a hospital at an early age. And it was traumatic as I lay there holding my wife and my baby, thinking about how fragile life really is and realizing that life is just a vapor. And have you ever tried to grab a vapor? I love my little girl. And being her daddy is something I value. And I treasure her life. But my role in her life can't be the treasure I lay up for my soul. It's too fragile. She's not actually mine in the first place. She's the Lord's. Is it okay if I'm just a little transparent? I love my wife with all of my heart. She's wonderful and smart and beautiful and she's tough. And when I became youth president, I watched as sickness hit her body almost instantly. I started realizing that life is very fragile. Nothing too serious like cancer, but things that affected her health that I could lose her also. I began to realize that life truly is a vapor. How could I survive if she died? Who would I be if she died? And thoughts of being a single dad went through my head. I know this is uncomfortable, trust me. I feel guilty even vocalizing these thoughts, but the fact is no other human being or the role we play in another human's life can actually be the eternal treasure of my heart. We can love and cherish them, but they nor us are strong enough to be it. Nor did my wife or daughter ever ever actually belong to me in the first place. I know I'm here to launch this youth camp, but I'm quickened by by the Spirit of God to ask you, what anchors your life, and more importantly, why? 
What is the treasure of your heart? Maybe this is why even talented apostolics sometimes feel empty. Or maybe why some of us live in fear of loss or maybe live in dread of the day we transition out of some particular phase of life. And we have called treasure things and people that God never meant for us to own. And whatever supports you must be greater and stronger than you, though. I want to say that again. Whatever supports you must be greater and stronger than you. This life, and there is nothing on earth to be found that can do that. There is nothing in this earth that is greater or strong enough than God to support you and to sustain you. Matthew 6 and 21, for where? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The theme of our Shoes for Christ season this year. Where are you spending your time? What are you pouring your energy to, young person? Why are you using those resources like that? The answer to those questions reveals what your treasure truly is. There are so many reasons why Jesus is the greatest treasure the great treasure, and we should just all radically commit to Him. But one reason surpasses all, John 18 and 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. What Jesus offers transcends earthly life itself. It's not of this world. It's not bound to the same limitations and our weaknesses of this world. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53, bear with me. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I'm living for something over yonder. And for me to make it, I've got to make sure that Jesus Christ is the treasure of my heart, and I value him above everything else in this world. Jesus says that I'm greater than death. I'm stronger than death. I have the ability to change your state from mortal to immortality. Do you ever just think about that? I've got some, I think I'm going to throw the chariots on now. 
credit card companies can let you buy nice things online. How many of you use Amazon? How many of you love Amazon? Praise the Lord. How many of you love Amazon at Christmas time? Praise the Lord. Felt a witness in the Holy Ghost just now. But that credit card, your bank card can let you buy nice things. My church could shower you with compliments, shower me with compliments. I can receive prestige from being the youth president. My family income can get us a comfortable life. But only Jesus can secure the eternity of my family and you and your family. Only Jesus can secure your eternity. Not your status. You're not going to load up a U-Haul to take with you when you die. It's not going to be pulled by a hearse. And all of your status, all of your friends on, fa- on whatever social media that you prescribe to, I don't. none of those things are going to get you any closer to God. But let me tell you, my friend, if you've got a relationship with a master and he sits at the seat of authority in your heart, I promise you, you've bought yourself a one-way ticket to paradise to live with him forever, to dance around the throne with all the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I want to go to heaven. Only Jesus can put heaven inside my little girl. Church, I'm thankful for miracles. But the inherent value of Jesus is not what he does for me here. But what he provides by his precious blood as promised that no matter what happens to me here, at one blast of a trumpet, we will turn mortal, weak, fallible people into mortal, glorified citizens of that great city called heaven. No wonder he's the great treasure. The Bible says, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth. Accidents happen. I've known great men of God evangelizing, driving from church to church, had a tragic car accident, lose their entire family on the way to their next engagement. Life is a vapor. And I don't I know it's so hard, so hard sometimes to realize that. I lost, I think, 10 classmates my junior and senior year of high school. And that was so long ago, I can't even tell you how long ago it was. We lost 10 students, six of them to suicide. Life is absolutely a vapor. And I don't have time to play games with God and to play games with my heart. I must be attuned to what God is trying to do through my life in these last days. It's so important that you listen to me right now. God desires you. He desires to use you. Please turn your heart completely to Him. Stock prices fall, markets recede, cancer strikes, and 
death of Lazarus. Got a guy I work with who had to bury his four-year-old because of cancer. Age is no discriminator of age. What are you doing today? I'm promised right now. What will I do today to affect tomorrow whether I see it or not? What is in heaven will last forever. Yes, it's going to require a radical commitment. You're going to have to carry a cross, walk away from jobs and careers, pack up your family, move across a nation on the other side of the world to live a life of faith. Yes, there is a price you'll have to pay, but instead of focusing on the price, we've got to keep our eyes on the treasure. We cannot confuse the fact that the price paid for my sins It does not take away the price that I must be willing to pay for the anointing and the greatness that God has destined your life for. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because I wasn't brought up with this. I have a crazy history. Broken home, all kinds of things. Not even going to go into it right now. And I struggled with the fact when I got into the church that God was calling me. And I stumbled across my reading one day in Psalm 139. And he said, I formed you in your mother's womb. And I intricately wove you. And I made you. And I set days aside specifically for you. That God loved you before there was even an earth upon which you could put your feet Before he ever even spoke it into existence, he saw you and said, I'm going to put you here in this moment and in this day. Do not let the world tell you you have no value. You have great value. God saw you before there was even an earth upon which you're standing and sitting right now. And he said, I've got these days set aside specifically for you. I love you. I care for you. I've called you. I've anointed you for this time and this purpose and this season. You're valuable valuable to me. When you recognize the treasure, there's nothing off limits to God. Your iTunes account is not off limits to God. Your Netflix account is not off limits to God. Some of you are sitting underneath the sound of my voice. You're addicted to pornography. You use Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts to circumvent saying you're not looking at pornography when you're looking at immodest females. You're dating people outside of your faith saying maybe I'll convert them. Be not unequally yoked is the last thing I read. I'm not trying to beat you up. I want you to realize that there's a God coming here today to say, you need to let go of some things because I love you so much that I want to spend eternity with you. And it's time to get rid of something that have taken the place where God is supposed to sit 
And he's saying, I want to be the treasure of your heart again. It's time. It's time to kill some giants that you brought into your own life. I'm being serious of cancer right now. There are things that torment you because you've brought them on yourself, and now they have got their death grip on you. And God has come to this youth camp to say, you do not have to be bound anymore, my friend. I've, there's people that's sitting underneath the sound of my voice right now. They were so addicted to pornography and drugs and alcoholism. And they're sitting here today, set free by the Spirit of the Lord God Almighty. I've come here to tell you today, I don't care what the enemy is. I can tell you right now, the Holy Ghost can remove any sin, anything that you've walked in here with. I don't care how big your giant is. It's the bigger he's going to fall. I'm telling you right now, the power and the authority of the Spirit of God is in this place to set any captive free. The anointing breaks the yoke, and the anointing is flowing in this place to take care of anything you're facing. The thing we've got to realize, if we keep Jesus Christ at the center of it all, then I will be triumphant. Oh, God, be the treasure of my heart. be seated. I'm getting close to closing this thing out. You can't be focused on your things and do justice to God's kingdom. I got to say that again. You cannot be focused on your things and do justice to God's kingdom. David was God focused, not Goliath focused. You are called to something greater. Something more meaningful and valuable. The value of what you can bring to the kingdom is immeasurable. I want to say the value of what you bring to the kingdom of God. If you sacrifice your time for she's for Christ and the eternal impact and all those. If you're a real McCoy, I, I wasn't expecting to do this. If you're a real McCoy who raised money for She's for Christ, will you stand right now? Please. They understand the value of the treasure. You can be seated. No, I actually stay standing, please. I'm not doing this to single anybody out or make anybody else feel bad. But what I want to say to each and every one of you that raised funds and did everything you could to raise money for She's for Christ, there's a young lady right now that's at Tupelo Children's Mansion that lived and was raised in a home of abuse. And she's at Tupelo Children's Mansion right now, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I can't disclose her name, but she's saved and she's filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I got a hold of what the treasure is. There's a missionary that's taking the gospel off foreign soil. There's a whole mission worth this time. I can't begin to tell you the value of you as the kingdom of God.
You can be seated. You've got to get past the fact of instantaneous results. And you've got to get past what I deem the law of comparison. Looking at what somebody else is doing. God called you for a specific calling. Stop comparing yourselves and be thankful that God chose you and he called you for your specific task. Amen. But you've got to get past this short-term investment mindset and look at the long-term and see that I may not ever see the miracle. I may not ever see it come to pass, everything that God promised. I might be like Elijah, lying in the ground, and they throw somebody on top of my grave, and they come back to life. I don't have to see it. I just want to make sure that I'm walking daily with Jesus Christ so that I can be effective in the kingdom, whether I see the results or not. Why? Because I see more value in the kingdom than I do my own self-promotion. It's time to put your treasure where your heart is. Where you put your treasure, there your heart will be. God's call trumps all else in life. music is coming. Maybe I'm only preaching to me, but I've been saved by the fire. God's burned out of me wood, the hay, and the stubble. Maybe I'm just here to remind me in front of the students of Alabama who I love dearly, and I pray for you every day. As we enter into a season of profound blessing in our life, the lesson we learned in the fire the only things that matter is that I lay up the treasure of my heart with Jesus Christ. I know this is heavy from the first morning if you slept. But we got to get this in our spirits. Nothing else matters but God. There's a worldwide end time revival sweeping the world that will only grow in intensity. You, the apostolic youth of Alabama, are poised to lead that revival. The only way God will be able to use us is if we completely lose ourselves in the kingdom of God. Nothing else matters more than this, young person. Please hear me. Nothing Hold on to anything back here, but I've been holding these all along. I'll leave you with this verse. Revelation 2 and 4. And I have this against you. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left thy first love. So many times I've read that and I thought, you know, I'm talking.
Athanasius' story. It's just so amazing. Just people just walked away from God. It's not what it was about. Can we stand? That's not what it was about at all. He said, you know what? No, you're you're holding to the doctrine. You're doing things in the kingdom. But I read it this way. It says, I have this against that you have abandoned the love you had at first. God smote me and said, it's that you've replaced me with other things in your life. And God was speaking to the church saying, I know you're doing the work of the kingdom. Turn back to how you loved me when you first met me. When you were willing to do whatever I asked, you were willing to get rid of whatever I required. If I asked you, you would do it because you loved me more than anything. God was saying, please return to loving me how you did when you first found me. When you were willing to give up everything. When you, when you were down on your knees praying and you were saying, God, I'll do anything for the anointing. I'll do whatever you ask. Because I love you more than anything. Because I know what you brought me from. I know what you've covered me from. God, I'll do anything. Anything you ask, I'll do it. God desires for you to love him like that again. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is get everything else out. So on this first day of new camp, I'm calling you to a place of repentance. I wonder if we all can respond right now and make our way in who is willing to come and say, God, I want you to be the treasure of my heart today. God's calling missionaries right now. God's anointing youth pastors right now. God's anointing music directors right now. God's anointing P7 and CMI directors right now in this service. Because he's saying, you finally got the things out of the way to where I can use you to the potential which I formed you and I made you. What is the treasure of your heart today? It's time to take our life to God in prayer. I urge you, God's calling intercessors right now. God's calling you to a place of intercession for your brothers and your sisters in this place. I ask you, if you don't feel like to pray with somebody else, but I'm calling you. God is calling you to a place of prayer right now. God, cleanse me. I wonder if we can lift our hands all across this house as they sing and close our eyes. God, cleanse me. Create me a right heart, oh God. Renew in me a right spirit. Come on, pray that prayer of David after his fall. Create in me a right heart and a right mind, renew in me a right spirit. Jesus, be the center of it all. It's got to be all about Him.
God's ready to use you. Oh, what do you treasure today? That's it. Pour your hearts out to God. Come on, it's time for a pouring out. What's the treasure of your heart? Come on, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost today. You can be realigned with your purpose today. Come on. Realign my thinking. So all I want is you, God. Come on, all I want is you, God. Come on, he's got to be bigger than every relationship. He's got to be bigger than anything else going on in your life right now. Your career decisions, your college decisions, everything you're making. Put Jesus at the center. Come on, if you're a staff member, pray with our students. If you're a staff member, pray with our students.
I wonder if we could link, if it's possible, to just pair up with somebody beside you. Where it's appropriate, pair up with somebody beside you. And I want you to make a commitment that I'm going to be your prayer partner in the weeks and the months ahead. You want to know how you succeed? You stay connected to the body. Our relationships must be vertically and horizontally forming a fabric that holds us together. For you to make it, you need each other. And Jesus Christ has got to set at the treasure of your heart. I feel this right now. I come against every spirit and doubt and insecurity right now because insecurity is robbing your tomorrow and insecurities are robbing your future. I wonder if we can link together right now and pray together and collectively as a body that, God, this person standing beside me, I pray for them right now. Let's pray together. Come on. That, God, you're going to anoint them. Come on, pray for them like you want them to pray for you. God, they're going to be anointed. They're going to take the gospel back into their broken homes. They're going to take the gospel back into their schools. Their situations and their homes and their families are going to turn around. I come against every spirit of doubt and his his suicide right now. I come against every spirit of oppression and depression right now. That would be blocking you from your purpose right now. And I link together with my brothers and my sisters because we're stronger. Together we're stronger, unified. And I want you to make a commitment every day forward. I will pray for you. Come on, pray for one another. Pray anointing on their life. Pray for protection on their life. Come on, that's it. Follow the Holy Ghost. You're anointed. You're called and chosen vessel. Pray for one another. If you've got a need, confess it. Let your brother pray for you. Let your sister pray for you. Come on with the body. If God's in his right place, nothing's going to stop this church. We're the strongest force on the earth, and we're unified for his purpose. Come on, come on, he's the treasure, he's the center, he's the center of my youth group, he's the center of every relationship, he's the center of every choice and decision I make. My eternity's online, my eternity's at stake, God, you must be at the center of every decision. That's it. And now that you've got your heart right, and now that you're committed to somebody in prayer, I wonder if we can lift our hands and just begin to rejoice in the fact that God loves us and he cares for us. Thank you, God, for loving me. 
Thank you for calling me in spite of my imperfections. Come on, I want you to scream it out. I curse insecurity. Curse it. Come on, I want you to begin to prophesy to your future. I am called. I'm anointed. I'm going to do great works. I'm called to greatness. Come on, Alabama. Our greatest days are ahead of us. Just keep Jesus at the center. Rejoice! Amen. What a, man, what a powerful move of God. I feel in my spirit some things have broke loose in this camp. What a better way, what a better way to kick off youth camp than this. A spirit of repentance, a spirit of freedom, because that means the sky is the only limit now for the rest of this camp. Amen, amen. Everybody give Brother Adam Maddox a hand. What a, just speaking from the heart, I believe that we, that wasn't just a message, that wasn't just good preaching, that was anointed, that was from God. Amen, amen, I'm not going to preach as much as I want to right now, trust me, it'd be easy, but as you wait, make your way back to your seats, I'm going to bring up our camp administrators right now, we have a few announcements that we need to go over, some information, important information we need to cover. Uh, we're going to do this before we dismiss for lunch. We still got a few minutes there, so I see some of my camp administrators coming up. Anybody get anything from God today? Amen. Amen. We're coming up this way. Everybody can make your way back to your seats. I didn't have any material planned, and this is taking longer than I thought. Oh, everybody give a hand for Brother Brad Underwood. All right, all right, all right.
What's up, Alabama youth? Are you having fun at the first day of youth camp 2019? We're glad you're here because without you, wouldn't be youth camp. So, got a couple announcements. We'll go over some rules. I'm that guy. I'm the rules guy. Um, don't forget, we got concessions. We got T-shirts. You remember where we registered right down the hall? Right across from there will be the concession booth and T-shirt sales. So if you want drinks and candy and T-shirts, that's where they're going to be. Um, who loves our, 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 our nurse, Sister Lefkin? She has an assistant today, too. Her name is Sister Kimberly. We love her, too. We're thankful she's here. If y'all don't know, Sister Lefton's my mama, so uh, y'all better be nice to her. But with that being said, if you take medicine, make sure you go see Sister Lefton because she she'll track you down. She will find you, and you will take your medicine. So don't forget about all that. So find Sister Lefton. Don't let her come find